folks, and welcome to episode 17 of Picky Bastards. Um, my name's Fran Slater, and I'm here with three of the most boringly named humans I have ever met. So we've got the two normal Picky Bastards, Mr. Nicholas Parker. Hello. Mr. Matt Paul. You're right. You're right. Nice accent. And today we have a guest host. Well, a guest host. Are we all hosts? I suppose, yeah. A guest contributor by the name of Michael Hull, or Michael, whatever you want to call him. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start... Did you like to say hello as well? Yeah, say hello, yeah, Mike. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's okay. You're very welcome. No problem. <laughs> so nice. No, I don't. Yeah, that was very polite. That's as polite that as we're going to get idea. tonight. Yeah, exactly. um, so the format's as normal tonight, but with, uh, with one extra... Uh, contributor, but first of all, I'm going to just get to know Mike a little bit because I don't know him at all. You see, he doesn't live <laughs> ten minutes away. You just found him on the street outside yeah. on the way over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, a few quick fire questions yeah. for you, mate. Which was your? What was your favourite album of the last year? Um, a little bit of a left field pick. I think it's going to be Eli Kessler with Stadium. Stadium. Um, he's a composer from New York. I don't know him at all. No, you heard it, Matt. Nope. No, Fran. No, no. Mike's recommended it to me, and I've not listened yet. He, he makes something that sounds a little bit like IDM, so sort of glitch electronica. But he plays okay. it all acoustically. He's a okay. percussionist. Nice, phenomenal skill. But it's also a very, very beautiful record. Is it all instrumental? Yep. Yep. Okay. So you wow. generally got an instrumental record of the year. Much more than you think you can do with the drums. Um, everything you can imagine, kind of click and tap. Exactly. He does, but also with some keyboards over the top a lot of field recordings wow Great stuff. Um, cool. yeah, to start with you might think I don't know if I could do a whole album of this but it really drags you in and I haven't heard anything more interesting or okay really. right okay. cool nice okay first album you ever bought <laughs> I like this to be the Beastie Boys but it is and it's Cliff Richards wow <laughs> I, I used to be mental about Cliff Richards what uh, yeah only when I was very young isn't his name Cliff Richard though no, it's all popping S on Are it. you adding S on the end? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was mental about this guy, <laughs> thing, I can't say. <laughs> it's um, only when I was very young, I went with my mum to buy that. I'd watched a Cliff Richard uh, film. Right. Um, got well into some of the songs and dragged her around every shop. Got it from Woolworths. Wow. Um, but I think on my own, it was probably uh, Shaman. Shaman? Awesome. I used to quite like Shaman. Wow. I don't know Ebony's good. Yeah? Yeah, Shaman. He's a good, he's a good. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Back in the day when it was wow. sort of rappers versus ravers. Yeah, yeah. I was more of a, a rap a fan, but I got into. No, no, no. But, um, yeah, that one was a big one. So, so far, in the, we've had. When Matt first came in, his first album was. Was it Spy Skills, Matt? I think so, yeah. yeah. Sam's was Steps, and now we've got Cliff Richard. It's nice. just fucking. It's like. Descending nice. every yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, the ne- I don't know what the next one's going to be. That All right, shocking. Des- that descending. Shocking. So that means I had the best with Spice Girls. Yeah, <laughs> shockingly. Yes. <laughs> All right then, Mike. Best gig you've been to in the last year? Um, Idols. Idols. Um, mm. yeah. Is it because I was there? Hey, well, well, you're always there. <laughs> so I'll go to. <laughs> it's um. Oh, it was just good energy. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, sorry. Tapping a pen. Interaction <laughs> <laughs> with the crowd. It's uh. It's getting overexcited. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It was quality with that, wasn't it? And we've got them coming up in March, haven't we, Nick? Yes, we have, absolutely. Okay, final question. Getting to know Mike. Worst gig you've ever been to? Do you know what? I was at the worst gig I've ever been to with you, actually, but you didn't think it was. No, I quite liked it. it. (laughs) The support for Big Thief, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're not doing this again. No, no, no. um, I'm not going to pick someone shit, because you never expect anything from them. The ones that annoy me are the ones you've got high hopes for. Um, the ones that stands out, uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre. 
Oh. I've watched a few times I like, but I think uh, Anton is a little bit unpredictable. Okay. Um, I like how you're naming them. Yeah. I thought they were all called Brian. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the band was called he's, that. He's I thought well they were all known Brian. to be quite um, oh, he's insane, unpredictable. Yeah. So I've travelled to those in places. I know once, I think there was a second song into a gig, he's picked someone from the audience, I think a kid that probably swore at him or something, not too yeah, yeah. massive, and he's got a massive off. Um, called him all sorts of names and walked off stage, right. which is very rock and roll. But when you've travelled all the way to Leicester or wherever I was... Yeah. Yeah, but then you go to the second one after that. He's done a similar thing. He's not. He used to have fights with the members of the band, didn't he? A lot. Oh, he's, yeah. So he's yeah. Um, can't he's get involved in this conversation. Slip not for indie kids. Can't get involved in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, and I think one of his mates, Dandy Warhols, they're always usually quite unimpressive as well. I'm okay. a big fan of theirs, but yeah. they say it about Oregon. I think <laughs> something about Oregon. Okay, <laughs> right. Like a sweeping so now, now we know Mike. He hates Oregon. Um, <laughs> let's move on. No listeners in Oregon. What are you saying? <laughs> Damaging our reputation in Oregon. <laughs> the three normal picky bastards love Oregon. I just oh, want yeah. to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. my favorite band's from Oregon. Okay, so let's move on to the. Uh, so this. As, as normal, we've got four recently released albums, um, one classic album, and then Mike will be telling us uh, about an artist he loves. So the classic, uh, sorry, the four new releases this time are Tom York's Susperia soundtrack, Like a Baby by Jerry Paper, Avery Airy by Julia Holter, and Untitled by Me Without You. The classic is The Reminder by Feist, and then Mike will be telling us why he loves Tago Mago by Can. Um... Anyway, on to the questions. Let's start off, Mike. Can you tell us which album of the uh, five, not including Can, you found the least accessible? Yeah, I think it was um, Tom York, Suspiria, um, by quite a long way, actually. Um, I think musically it's always going to be difficult, whether you like the sort of music or not. It was quite dark, droney, ambient music. But even if you are into experimental, very atmospheric music... I think the album came with a lot of problems, mainly because of the soundtrack and mm. the vast majority of the songs are really, really, really short in length. Um, ten of the songs on the album were under two minutes. It's um, done its homework. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did add them up because I think the problem with that is I quite like dark, ambient, mm. uh, atmospheric music, drone music, but I think sometimes you listen to Godspeed, you Black Emperor, Scott Walker, or any of that kind of music, you get ten minutes in length per track, and it gives the tracks time to grow, and you can explore them. Mm. Um, when they're one minute, ten seconds, or something, you don't really get a chance to get to know the track, and then it's on to something else similar, but different, and I find that very, very tiring. There's some beautiful, beautiful tracks on the album, yeah. but not enough to stop it from becoming quite boring and tricky. Wow, boring. <laughs> and bearing in mind... Boring. Oh, I, mean, I don't think boring is a word you can use here. <laughs> I don't think... You're allowed to use the word boring, I just want to be clear. He is allowed to say boring. I don't, I don't wrong, think there's but... a bad piece of music on the whole record, yeah. but <clears throat> there's a lot of very short tracks and yeah, you yeah. can't commit to anything on there, apart from the how many? Six... Yeah, I mean, there's six that stand out, I think, five or six that stand out as actual mm. songs, but... Yeah. Shall I jump in at this point? Yeah, Why yeah, don't absolutely. you? I'm, I'm very so, wondering how objective you're going to be I on mean, the I'm subject. not... This is, honestly, 
I'll be open. I'm sat here with a Radiohead tattoo on my arm. I'm obviously a big Tom York fan. Um, just show me some vinyl you bought today, Radiohead. Yeah, I've just well. bought a razor today. Yeah. So, um, but then that kind of says something that I did buy a razor. I didn't buy the Suspiria soundtrack. Um, and I think part of what Mike's just said is is true. Is it? Is this the album of his I'm most likely to put on when I'm sitting down for dinner? No, it isn't. But do I think? that there's been a better and more interesting soundtrack that I've listened to in the last few years. No, I don't think there has. I think it, there's not a better person that could have made this album than Tommy Orton. Surely really. that Glenn Hansard soundtrack was Oh, pretty yeah. Good. I mean, was that a soundtrack? <laughs> what? The, the soundtrack to what? I don't want to see that film. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of album I think Tom's been waiting to make for a lot of his career, really, like where he just gets to be creepy and weird and doesn't have a lot of constraints on what he's doing. Um... But there's some songs on there that I think are stunning. I think Unmade, Suspirium, Suspirium Finale and um, Has Ended are all the really standout songs. Um, and I think the album does stand on its own, but I do I do get that it is not an easy listen. Um, but then I've seen the film and I think once you've seen the film, it kind of opens up some of the songs that maybe are difficult because you, you see... How much of the album had you heard before you saw the film? Oh, I'd, seen the, I'd listened to the album quite a lot before I saw okay, the film. Okay, well, that's good. Um, and there's songs in there, like some of the songs that are really, you know, beautiful songs anyway, like Unmade, they're in really important parts of the film. But there's a song called Volk and a song called Olga's Destruction, which are very much in the really important parts of the film. But when you hear them as songs, they're obscure and weird. But when you see them in the film... So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible soundtrack and Tom's shown again that he does things better than a lot of other people. But, yeah, I'm going to say it's not an album I'm going to probably sit down and listen to that regularly. But okay. it's got some stunning songs on it and it's certainly not boring. I'm not having the word boring. It's <laughs> <laughs> not having it. You're going to retort? Yeah, I'll quickly. <clears throat> I thought Vogue... I haven't seen the, uh, mm. the film. I thought Vogue was the best track on the album. Yeah, Vogue's um, good. Possibly. And I do think if you separate the ones we class as traditional songs yeah, away yeah. from it, yeah. we've got a fantastic Tom York yeah. EP, and there's nothing wrong with the rest of them, but I think they're on there because because it's the soundtrack. the soundtrack. And I think um, the, my, my big negative, in a way, actually, was the, the track listing on the album. I actually found that it gets to sort of the last six songs, and they've, there's no more actual songs. Mm, and so yeah. you're finishing with six sort of... Really obscure. Hard. One of them really long, which I can't remember the name of it now, but it's like... It's called a, was it a, a choir of one? Yeah, it and it's like 14 minutes or something. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think they maybe got the ordering right. And the ordering doesn't go along with the film, which I found a bit strange. But but anyway, yeah, I mean... Nick, Matt, who wants to go? Matt should go. Matt. Okay. Um, I felt kind of uh, a little bit differently and also the same. Um, that makes no sense. <laughs> I might <laughs> <laughs> clarify slightly. I, well, there are some tracks on there that I do like, um, and similar. Like I, was, I actually wrote down that I, I think if I listened to an EP of just the tracks that were interesting and had any length to them, then it would be an interesting Tom York uh, album mm. uh, or EP. But I also think well, it's hard to judge without the context of the film because I didn't watch it. But I didn't think for like a kind of scary, suspense-filled film which I'm assuming Suspiria is, mm. he didn't do anything that different or um, special compared to uh, some <laughs> other scores. Oh, maybe. Franz goes mush on now. He looks no, really I just think, I think, <laughs> I think maybe, right. like, the point you're making, I, but the film, 
if you see this, so the film's about a dance school that's kind of run by a coven of witches. Yeah, and yeah. so it's yeah, more it's more bizarre thing. and weird than it is creepy. And actually, when you see it in the context, I mean, I'm the only one who's seen it, so I can say this as yeah. a fact. Oh yeah, when you say it in the context, <laughs> it, works. it works. It really works. But, okay. Well, yeah. I was actually expecting the music to be weirder. That's why I right. thought Tom York was there, is to make push okay. really really push the boat out. Okay. What did you uh, want? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I wonder if we wanted was um, just, you know that you know the soundtrack for There Will Be Blood that um that Johnny, Johnny did. did. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was weirder, mm. I think. Yeah. That yeah. was much yeah. weirder. I'm not talking about the this album, no, I'm just incidentally, that album was weirder. Well yeah. yeah. Johnny Greenwood is a superb soundtrack. Yes. Maker. Yeah, yeah, I think even listening to some of like uh Trent Reznor's um soundtracks, he does lots of things I wouldn't expect from him. Um but all always in keeping with the movie he's helping with, um, and so. But I, yeah, I was just expecting something really, really kind of out there, and it wasn't. And it's the the tracks that feel like proper tracks. Are, they're really good Tom York songs, but um, it didn't feel like a special soundtrack to me or anything like that. Okay. Well, you don't feel special to me. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know the hooks. I think. Um... It's is that a track first main yeah 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 when he's yeah, like sneezing in the background and everything that did scare me yeah I, I, mean, <laughs> I was walking back from Watchdale bus station and it did yeah. Uh, yeah. unnerve me I think it's a creepy um, song yeah. I think it's a creepy album as well screaming and scratching and um, I thought Jesus this is going to be a heavy going soundtrack and indeed yeah. it yeah. is in a different way to its start I think, I think it's, yeah it's, it's Watch big the film. isn't it it's massive Watch the film and then see... Actually, when I came out of this... Because Kirsten had heard me, my girlfriend had heard me playing this album in the kitchen when I was cooking, when I was... Well, you yeah. know, I would listen to playlists and she just... You know, she knew what it was and she kept commenting on how weird it was. And then when we watched the film and she came back, actually, it is... There's a couple of the songs like that. August Destruction is in such a creepy, weird moment of the film that it actually takes on a new life once you've seen the film, I think. So I do, yeah. I do think it's really worth watching. Oh, it's a good film as I well. Was, I was definitely creeped out by the soundtrack. I just was... Yeah. I don't no, know. Not I out weird enough. out as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll come and shout at you next time you listen to it. Yeah. Really loudly yeah, in your face. Nicholas. I had actually, I had actually heard. Um, this is an aside, really, to my comments that um, Tom York really wanted to do this because he really was not exactly jealous, but really felt that, that Johnny Johnny had done such good soundtracks that it was his turn. He really wanted to make sure he had done a soundtrack. I think it's always something he's wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. he's always so wanted to do, and I think that's quite interesting. Yeah. in the context of how it's turned out, because and, and what, what Matt's saying as well, because Matt's implying that it's a bit more of a... It's not as experimental as it could be. It's not as weird as it could mm. be. It's doing, it's doing what is expected of him. Yeah. To do a weird, yeah. slightly creepy... You yeah. know, just that it's not really breaking boundaries. Anyway, so I, I don't know if that feeds into everybody else's comments, but... So for me, um, this... So I'll, I'll give some context and say that I am a big Tom York fan, a big Radiohead fan as well. I haven't actually got a tattoo of him, but I'm still... Mm. You know, I'm a big fan. I'm He's not just quite as obsessed needles. as this guy. That's true. But yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite as obsessed as this guy, but... Um, but no, I do really like him, and, I, and a lot of his work has been extremely affecting to me over the years. He's come into, into, into sort of conflict with a genre which I have a huge problem with, which is the soundtrack, the album mm. soundtrack. Now, I obviously lo- love a lot of movies which have great soundtracks in terms of the audio that runs with the film. I've not seen this film yet, but to me, this is a real test of whether or not you can make a good soundtrack because if you can get Tom York on mm. board and, and make a, a, something that matches up well with, without the movie that's meant to be associated with it, then you've done a really good thing. I don't think this pulls that off, frankly. Um, the album, as a couple of, people have, a couple of you have said now, is 
massively too long and mm, honestly it too long. it's self-indulgent in a way in not self-indulgent indulgent in the sense that if you're going to have 25 tracks and some of them are so short and fragmented you end up with a lot of dross that doesn't need to be there it's an ep's worth several people say it's an ep's worth of material mm. not an album's worth of material now the problem is and that's not tom york's fault the genre it seems to me from the ones we've done in this yeah, podcast yeah. to be run every single time somebody in the set drops a paperclip record it and put that on, <laughs> on a track on the album I don't understand why they need yeah, to do that I do release think that's a decision songs. they don't need to do that do yeah, they? I think this could, have been a, this could have been eight songs shorter yeah and exactly. it could have been a better album it would be I'm not massively better that, massively better yeah, if they did that yeah. so um, so I, I want to see the film um, I like the tone of the music in general I did think and this was slightly frustrating that the single which I really liked um, which is uh, the, the actual tra- title track. Experience. Yeah. Um, sounds a lot like a, tra- a track off White Chalk, uh, off PJ Harvey's White Chalk, which is now my absolute love. So I was a bit conflicted about whether that was a good thing or not because it was to the point where I sort of felt like, wow, I feel like I heard this like eight, ten years ago from PJ Harvey. Is, is, it, is it just the same? But then again, it is something I really like, so I'm conflicted on my yeah. response to that. I think it's interesting when you say that because that's something that I... That comes because obviously being a massive, massive Tom York fan, I can like I said, bought the Eraser today. Every album, his solo stuff before is it stands out from Radiohead in the way that it's more electronic. It's kind of it's a different, and this album actually felt more like what he would have done early Radiohead, mm. if you know what I mean, like the equivalent of his version of an early Radiohead album rather mm. than the really creative stuff they do now. Which I do think, yeah, there is a, but I still think some of the songs are, are stunningly beautiful, and I think, but that's there's always going to be some stunningly beautiful songs when it's a Tom York album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and but like I said, my sec, my my point always was, so it's, you know, it's not is one it I've a good album? Listen to my answer is no, it's not a good album mm. because it's all those things we've all talked about. Really, it's too yeah. much. It's too fragmented. Mm. It's too confusing. But it's is not it a good weird soundtrack? enough. Well, I don't know because I've heard the film. If you think I've about the soundtracks the that we've, <laughs> we've, 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 we've oh, listened to, oh, is it better than the other soundtracks? If you think yeah, about yeah, the soundtracks yeah. we've listened to on this podcast, we've, yeah, yeah. we've always had a problem with them. We've never loved I have, them. Yeah. I love the yeah, daughter yeah. one, but yeah, yeah. like, for example, is this better than the Gruff Reese soundtrack? Yes, yes, it is. Yes. I don't think that even needs yeah, to be a right. question because that Gruff Reese, as much as I love him as well, that soundtrack yeah. was terrible, and that did have every noise. That had a song that was a door opening. Yep. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah, we do have Tom York sneezing at one point on this, but there you go, then. Tom York, when Tom York sneezes, it sounds better than most people <laughs> sneeze, doesn't it? So, you know. So, yeah, so it's, in the end, I just feel like it's, it's not something I'll go back to. I will definitely see the film. Um, and uh, I'm afraid for Tom uh, that Johnny's soundtracks are sound, seem to me to be better than Tom's do. Yeah, I think yeah. Johnny's he's, he's a classical musician as well, isn't he? So yeah. He's going to pull off, a, I think he's, he can pull off a soundtrack. He's probably got more variation. Yeah, yeah. In his armory than Tom has. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Anyway, yeah. right. So, yeah. Shall we move on? There we shall, yeah. Well. So, Matt, which album did you find the most accessible? Um, so, I'm going to say Feist for this. And I'd be really surprised if any of you thought differently because <laughs> it's essentially it's a really like tight album that features track after track of just really catchy pop music but it also still manages to maintain uh, like poignancy and have like um, relatable moments within, within the, within the music. And it doesn't really dumb anything down like some pop music can. And, and really I thought after coming, like listening to it a bunch as a pop album and as this kind of single unit of music, it's, it's really up there in uh, like 
some of the best best pop albums I've really listened to ever. Um, really? Wow. wow. Yeah. And, and when thought, you say pop album, you mean like say when Sam was on a few months ago, he he would he would define that as like Robin and you know like real chart music. Is that like Lady Gaga? No, pops, like, I think not, pop's a bit. How, how do you mean by pop? That's why I nail that down a bit. Um, yeah, something that will do well in the charts, essentially. Popular something and that accessible, will, I suppose. Is yeah, what pop means, it's, isn't it? Yeah. And so, yeah, by that definition, the fact that it's accessible is not really uh, surprising. No. Uh, necessarily. Um, and the other thing, I think I felt similarly to how uh, we were talked about um, Black Sabbath. I didn't realize I knew this album, mm. and yeah. I knew this album. Like, yeah. it well, it must have been completely ubiquitous when it came out without me kind of realizing. Because I thought I, I knew like some of the tracks, but uh, like everything in it, it I feel like I've heard like a hundred times before and not necessarily in a bad way. I still like really enjoyed coming back to it and revisiting it and um, just re-listening to all of like kind of the diversity within the album as well. Mm-hmm. Because, again, for a pop album, it had a lot going on, and it was really interesting. There were some really, like, intimate moments and some much bigger bigger moments as well. I also really liked the way it was, uh, I guess, produced, because it did feel very intimate and very much like yeah. you were there with them, and it didn't feel like it was super clean. It just felt um, just very real the entire time. Nice. Um, okay. So, yeah. Mike, you guys go for it. Um, I agree with a lot of that. I thought the production was beautiful. I thought the arrangements were fantastic. Everything felt quite stripped back and spacious. Um, I think she's you, got a beautiful voice, mm. uh, and I think the songwriting's all there. It's got all the makeup for a great, great album. But <laughs> it's going to be a long pause. <laughs> I, I um, yeah, no, I, I did enjoy it. But I wasn't mad about it. Mm. As beautiful as her voice is, it can grate on me. And that can ruin songs for me. Because she, when she does the sort of more sort of folky tracks, like, is it The Park? Yeah, The oh, Park. It's and, really, yeah. genuinely lovely. And then at the end, she starts doing this wailing type of thing. Like, she really gets <laughs> a bit carried away with herself, which <laughs> is quite soulful. There's nothing wrong with it technically. But it just ruins the sort of vibe for me a little bit mm. um there's little wrong with the album but i don't think it's quite for me it didn't blow you away i think it sort of prances around the middle of the road category mm. or the easy listening should i say oh, oh. Um, and you can't easy argue listening. with that i'm not saying they're gonna play on steve white's sunday love songs i mean easy listening is a hard uh, term to the you can family. Mean i think it is a good to. record but yeah. um <laughs> Possibly for me. I'm sorry, but forgettable. No, forgettable. Yeah, yeah, we need to say that's fine. That's what this space is for. Yeah, man, so, you don't yeah. have to be polite. Yeah, don't <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, he, he knows that, yeah. Nicholas. Um, so it was really unfortunate to me that I, the first time I came across um, Feist was on that Apple advert that she was did the song for. She did a song for an Apple advert, like, about ten years ago. You fucking love Apple. Uh, I like <laughs> Apple products, yes. I, I, don't, I don't remember a band that came out of that scene that was great, though. You love Apple. Um, I don't see a scene anywhere, that, that advertising the campaign. Um, so, you yeah, too. it was... So that was really unfortunate, because I, I just... I really, even after listening to it quite a lot, and recognising her talent 
as a singer and stuff, I couldn't shake that feeling that I was listening to it in an Apple store all the time. <laughs> I bet it was in this... This super you do spend a lot silvery... of time in the Apple Store. Were you in the Apple Store <laughs> was, when yes, you were listening to it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Around. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's just sort of silvery, smooth, uh, shiny, uh, clean. Do just just really words that don't begin with S. Clean. So um, that that was that was really a problem, and and I'll, to the point where when I got past it after a while, I just I really made me want to listen to some black metal. It just made me want to listen to some really dark, <laughs> nasty. Well, luckily you had quite a bit of dark stuff on the playlist, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so? yeah. but yeah. Um, so that was that was really uh, challenging. And, and in the end, uh, I think I will say that the second half of the album, I think, was better than the first half in the sense there were a couple of tracks I, I know down. Honey, Honey, Honey is that one of them? Mm. And, and How yeah. I Love yeah. Behaves were the, were the strongest tracks I think on it. Yeah, um, I liked I liked both those, and I think I think she has got a lot of time. It's just again, it's just really unfortunate, and I know why. Obviously, if Apple comes to you and says they're going to put one of your songs on an advert, yeah. that changes your entire life and career, of course. At the same time, it, it just You'd love it. It just makes it very, very plastic, maybe. You guys maybe. are too edgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just said the spirit it wasn't weird enough, Matt. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. <laughs> You're the fucking edgy one. So, right, well. um, yeah, so no, to me, it didn't work, and um, I won't be going back to it. Okay. Well, for me, it was... Uh, on this playlist, it was an absolute breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. Mm, breath of fresh air. air. Uh, it, remind, it was a reminder for me that, like, while I love experimental music and inaccessible music, and when I'm in the right mood, that if you just give me a simple, structured album, then that's that's a lot of the time what really gets me. Um, and even though this is simple and it's got you know normal chorus verse structures. I still think it was as accomplished as as any of the other albums on this list. Um, I think she's got an exceptional voice. She's creating soft, simple, beautiful music. Uh, this it's really varied as well. There's stunning tracks, ballads like "The Water in the Park," but then there's some more lively tracks like "Feel It All" and "Past in the Present." Particularly for me, I enjoyed the sort of playful, folky songs like "One, Two, Three, Four and "Brandy Alexander." They reminded yeah. me of uh, someone called Lisa Hannigan, who's one of my favourites, who Nick, Nick will know I'm slightly obsessed with from when we saw the sport yeah, in the National Endeavour. Little bit. Little bit. Um, but I spent a lot of time with Fi's latest album, Pleasure, last year. Um, she was headlining End of the Road, which I was meant to be going to, and then I didn't, but never mind. Um, and that's a great album as well, but it's maybe you guys, uh, the Apple guy and... Moni guy sat opposite me <laughs> should uh, have a listen to Pleasure because it's a kind of darker, heavier album. It's still not heavy, but yeah. compared to this, it's a, it's got a darker feel to it and uh, just again shows how versatile she is. So yeah, I thought this. I've was... got to say, I'm not even woman to the title. Pleasure it just sounds <laughs> a bit like <laughs> like wet. It just yeah, but like the song that's nice. actually about Frank, pleasure that's yeah. called Pleasure right. is about sort of quite violent sex. Oh. So you know that is your thing. So. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this conversation is over. But yeah, so that's yeah. nice. That's yeah. nice. You're edgy. You're edgy. <laughs> right, okay, so final <coughs> random question to start us off. Nick, so we've had the, mo- the least accessible, we've had the most accessible. Yeah. Which album do you wish you'd never had to access? This was very, very easy. Yeah. This was instant, the answer to this question. Can I answer for you? No. Bastard. Yeah. Julia Holter album. Oh, wow. Avery. Oh, <laughs> Are you serious? Cool. response. <laughs> it was... Are you serious? To me, it was an easy winner in the category of the most annoying album of the year. 
Wow. It was far <laughs> and away the most irritating thing I heard all year. Wow. And there are multiple reasons for that. And the first one is... I absolutely loved the previous album. I thought mm. it was fantastic. It was absolutely stunning. I don't know if, if any of the rest of you heard yeah, it. Much. it. We did it on it. the podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, we no, 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 didn't. But okay, yeah. yeah. It was got Into the World. Anyway, yeah, yeah. really fantastically beautiful, put, beautifully put together, orchestral, swells. This album, I understand, at least I don't understand, but I assume from the title that she's trying to replicate something that's a bit more cacophonous trying to the title is Avery Avery by the way yeah yeah Um, trying to trying to find a term that's not pejorative but yeah something cacophonous she certainly achieved that because it was a lot of the album was unlistenably like a din of just bangs and whistles and whoops it was so irritating I just couldn't I couldn't go through it very often I, I went through it I probably listened to it about six times all all in all and just thought this is this is all I can take um once a week Sorry? Once a week. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> what I put myself through. Yeah, I take on medicine, yeah. Um, so a good example would be Every Day is an Emergency. Um, it's, a, there's, there's, it's, it's like a long song. You've probably got the time down. I've only written it down for it. Um, 7.45. And I would say the first third to half of that is a total mess. Just a din mm. of just orchestral noises banging over string sections that don't really work. It's incredibly heavy on the reverb, which, of course, makes it sound like the swells are, are, are you know, logically there. But just, it's just too heavy-handed with that. It's just, it's a mess. It's a total mess. So, um, so disappointing after the, after the last album. That, that also, I thought that the actual string sections, as well as being poorly put together, or at least put together in an overly complicated, like, jazz-oriented way that didn't actually make for songs... Um, also, that they was the tone of them wasn't brilliant. They sounded a little bit synthy to me, which which for that kind of music, which maybe maybe they weren't synthy. I don't know, but they weren't recorded well if they were genuine <laughs> strings. But um, so yeah, it, it was just it was it was an absolute tragedy. Okay, well I'm gonna, I'm going to jump in because I think I'm probably a slightly toned down version of what Nick's just well quite a lot toned down. But but one thing I want to say before I start actually is that Nick constantly tells me that he's into experimental music and then every time we've had an album on this pl- on this playlist that's experimental <laughs> at all he hates it so he's a liar but bollocks, anyway bollocks for me <laughs> i thought this was an album that walked the line between fascinating and completely fucking pretentious um <laughs> did i enjoy the album i did at times but i also felt like it was a hell of a lot of work um which okay again that's not necessarily a bad thing i definitely would have chose this for the least accessible album um, but in the end, I do think it kind of walks that line reasonably success- successfully. It's not an album I'm going to put on for pleasure very often, and I didn't in the last month. But then not all music should be easy, and uh, I think it, it did okay. But you, you mentioned Every Day is an Emergency. Yeah. And I think this is where one of my problems came in as well. There was a song called Chiteus, one called Voice Simul, and then Every Day is an Emergency, which were three songs in a row. And they're long they're as well. They're all over seven minutes. Eight minutes, yeah. And yeah. they were all completely abstract and obscure, and that was a challenge for me. So I struggled with it a little bit. Um, I, kind of, I kind of think that there was... If there was something about this album that was interesting and good, but if I'm going to put a Julie Holter album on, it's going to be the previous one. Absolutely. Because <laughs> it's just... A better album. Um, wow. <laughs> Complex assessment yeah. there. <laughs> so that's the easy way of putting it. But um, yeah, Mike. 
I don't know what Mike thinks though, because he, he kept his, his uh, you know, his cards close to his chest then when he said, "Fuck off." Well, I mean, it's, it's certainly. I was surprised that you chose it as the one you would have least wanted to listen to. But oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, I, I did enjoy it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest. And I, Australian I, style. It, it surprised me that everyone, or at least you, Nick, hated it so much. It's, um, I thought it was a very fun album. Fun. It, yeah, no, and I do think it was. <laughs> Challenging. Do you know what it fun wasn't means? easy listening. It was challenging, but I think the thing she has got is melody throughout it. You've got some challenging stuff, but the amount of different, quite beautiful melodies mm. coming from every angle continually. The problem is that, I don't shame that, just, that sums up the problem to me. No, no, uh, a melody is coming from yeah, all angles not, at all times. Yeah, the problem yeah, is they're not like connected in any way, yeah. and that can be quite disorientating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I and I do that. agree with that. It's not necessarily an easy listen. I think there's so much quality in it. Mm. Um, let's face it, the second half of the album was a lot more pop. If you can get through the third, there's some real songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. Co- I mean... Traditionally structured songs yeah. later on. Yeah. Um, and they make you realise sort of how difficult Which the first half was. It's very similar, like not the setup, but the similar feel to this album and the Tom York. Mm. Like the same sort of thing. Every now and then it's got an absolute standout song and a really interesting moment. Well, Tom York's control of melodies is completely different. I mean, I, I see what Mike's saying about but, a lot of melodies, yeah. but it's just too many bloody but, melodies, you know? Too many bloody melodies. Tom York, <laughs> it's overwhelming. Where completely. Tom York would have a song with nothing very standout or a song with very nothing particularly pretty and then have an amazing song. Yeah. And then Julia, you might have to get through three minutes of the song and then a really unexpected mm. rush of... The harmonies, you know, it's... Um, right. But it's hard to get that moment where you get a rush when you, you've been sat there for three minutes thinking, why am I listening to throat singers? <laughs> <laughs> every day is an emergency. Yeah. You're going to defend now, every day is an emergency now. now. I'm not, I'm not going to defend it that much because I think when you were talking about it, <laughs> oh, isn't it mainly bagpipes? You yeah, listen, yeah, Or yeah. something that sounds very similar to bagpipes. I think, it's oh. throat sing- I think that's the throat singer song. Oh, there's bagpipes on there. It goes on for like... Maybe, it could be because it goes on for so long and then it does get very... Beautiful when she starts, yeah. I think. And that's like, there's so many bands that do that. It's like a reward for really challenging me. The Swans do it. Yeah. I mean, Swans, you have yeah. to listen sometimes, especially live, 20 minutes of yeah. really <laughs> deliberately awkward music <laughs> yeah. until they hit you with something truly beautiful. Yeah. This Heat one, everyone that did that a lot. Um, and I think she does that. That's the mm. most challenging on the album. But usually, every song will have something or thing of. Merit. Um, okay. I thought it was a really that's a, that's good album. Actually, I, I won't give it to you for that. That's, that's an interesting. But this is where my word of calling it pretentious comes in because isn't that pretentious as fuck? Listen to me for three minutes chirping. I mean, I like this album more than I'm saying, but I'm just living. like, you, you listen to me for three minutes that, chirping, and then I'll do something yeah. beautiful. I'm like, no, I don't want to listen to you three minutes chirping. Just do the beautiful thing. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I'm not. It's not not an easy way, but I quite enjoyed it. Do you, you know the previous album? Yeah. Do you prefer yeah. the previous album? Yes, yes, I think as an album. Okay. Although, I, I, unlike you, I think I will return to this album a lot. On a cliff edge um, right there, he was like, about, um, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'd, I thought I thought that later part of the album, when it would, I would rather see, how do you pronounce that, Le, Le Jure to you. Um, the French one. Yeah, yeah, I Shall Love To You. I think that's where it changes, I Shall yeah. Love To It gets, yeah. I think, a really pretty album with... Okay, um, right. Yeah, no, I, I liked it. Matt? Yeah, I, I'm, i like, somewhere between everyone. I, 
<laughs> Mr. Fucking I, sit on the fence tonight, you are. Uh, Jesus Christ. I, I went backwards and forwards between all of the emotions you guys have talk, talked about, and I think I've felt in the middle now because there are moments where I do really like, like, like I Shall Love Too. It's pretty, pretty good. Like, good. There's an entire, mm. like, it's a pretty long song and it builds really, really beautifully throughout mm. the entire thing. And it, the whole thing is worth it. But there is so much. You have to pay so much. You have to work so hard to get to those yeah, moments. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's just not worth. You're not doing that thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's the thing. This is hard, hard work. work. Hard work would it? be the tagline for this album. Yeah. Is it, it worth it? That's the only real yeah. question in it, really. Yeah. yeah. I think the worst moments that were actually more unnerving than listening to the Suspiria album, though. Mm. <laughs> and Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean. I've got some comeback on that when we come to the end of the... You know, when we talk about the whole playlist, I've got... But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, you're right. There's some, I can see some similarities and some... Between a few of the things on this playlist yeah. that sort of tie it yeah. together, but yeah. So yeah, sorry, you were still talking, I think, Matt. The other the other thing I had is... Uh, it felt like... I don't know how to say it. Chaitius? Chaitius? Chaitius. Chaitius? Yeah, that's what I'm going uh, with. It had a bunch of motifs in it that were pretty much taken... Well... They were identical to some of these new Pur- Puritans um, right, okay. uh, songs, ah. which was, I found really disorienting because it was like listening to one of their tracks just shuffled. It was, all, <laughs> and it, was just, it was very, very, like, I, I, I kind of liked some of the, the, the way it was a, a, arranged in that song, but then it just felt all wrong because it just reminded me of this other song. Um, okay. Well, which, does anyone know these new Puritans? No, I do know them, but not enough to possibly no, reference no. them. You should, yeah, you should check them out instead because okay. it's interesting. It's, um, <laughs> I, I felt that was the theme. Though there's a lot of quite obvious, not not as a whole, but you go mm. from track to track and you can hear a lot of quite clear influences in there. Yeah, um, yeah. or at least. A lot of it's quite recognisable. Like explosions, things like that, you know. Birds. It's called <laughs> Buildings, <laughs> buildings yeah, being demolished. That's similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Well, we've just listened to Matt, but we're going to listen to Matt again now because he's going to tell us what he thinks of Jerry Papers Like a Baby. Seems he chose it. So it, I'm going to guess that this is uh, your least favourite, Fran? Um, the way you've been you know what? I'll come that. back to you what I said on it because it's, it's an interesting one for me. But Yeah, um, yeah I don't know if it is. Come Give on. him the question immediately answer it tell yourself. Me, tell me. <laughs> yeah. So what you thought? Um, what? He asked me a question. <laughs> I I thought this was a... It, again, it was a breath of fresh air after listening to Tom York. And was it a breath of fresh air, though? <laughs> <laughs> was it a breath of... <laughs> fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. Dirty air. stop yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, this, this album... I didn't actually like that much. I, <laughs> That's what you'd say, isn't it? <laughs> I, th- I, I thought it got really samey, which was crazy considering it lasts only 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of songs I do like, but overall it was I found it quite uh, a little bit dull. Mm. Um, not much really going on. Um and yeah, I still can't get over the fact I got bored of it after the fact that it only runs for 30 minutes. That is, that is a bit yeah. of a harsh criticism. Um, I but Hollyoaks is only 30 but minutes it, long. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, very good fan. Thanks for that. <laughs> it has a nice dreamy tone throughout it, which I appreciated. You don't have to put it back, he's not listening. 
Um, Nick. Okay. Um, I thought um, so. I'll, I'll so your cocoon is the opening song on the album. Yeah, and it has um, some slight sort of pitch bending, sort of off kilter sort of stuff going on. And when I heard that, I thought, ah, this is this is quite interesting. You know, this this mm. could go somewhere. You know, um, and I think ultimately. Um, that was the best song on the album, and it didn't really <laughs> deliver that much after that point. And I think more worryingly for me, it got a little bit crooner-ish in his mm. vocals, a little bit Arctic Monkeys' yeah. last album-ish. This is funny. I thought about the Arctic is... Monkeys, but like, oh, yeah? I thought you might like this more because you talked about at the time the Arctic Monkeys about it being like, if it was a good crooner album, I might like it. This, this is, is still it. not one. No, it's yeah. shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say... Um, yeah, I, I won't talk about its place in the, in the whole playlist until we get to the end. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't have a huge amount to say except that, except that I thought it opened well, but then didn't really deliver anything more radical than that. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought his vocals were a problem through some of it in terms of being off-putting a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, nothing really remarkable. It was a pretty much, it, it passed me by, really. Michael. Um, I love how I'm using all your proper names now. It's great. I'm not calling you Matthew yet. Yeah, Matthew. That's for when I'm in trouble. Not not a great deal difference really. When your cocoon came out, um, I did like the sound. I thought this is cool. Like you say, it is um, sort of croonerish lounge jazz like. Yeah. um, But slightly warped, Mm. and I did feel it did have it fit in with everything else. Really, had a bit of a horrorish thing to it because you can imagine some crooner playing in a <laughs> abandoned hotel yeah yeah, yeah that sort of um the shining feel to it because everything's yeah. slightly like say off kilter yeah, yeah, yeah um i didn't think that your cocoon was better or worse than any other sony arm i thought everyone mm. was good but it was all quite samey um i and quite enjoyed think, listening to it but are they all as weird as your cocoon then? I say as weird, like they're not yeah, that extreme. Yeah, I think they are. I, thought, so oh, I really? think he's okay. gone with his sound, I felt. He went with his okay. sound, stuck to it. Um, yeah. They were all okay, but too samey to enjoy it as a whole album mm. because it doesn't. It's not so sort of wowish to keep your attention. Right. Um, right, right. Okay. Every so often, as a palate cleanser mm. in between Tom York and, and Julia, um, <laughs> I think, oh, this is all right, do you know what? But... I can't imagine everything. Kim, get, get, get the final one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some of that. Yeah. I saw it today when I was spending my, my vouchers on the, the albums I bought today, and I saw it in the. Uh, oh, you did? Like, who's ever going to buy this album on vinyl? Seriously, like, <laughs> who would listen to this album? Think, yeah, I'm going to buy it on vinyl. I, I want to hear Jerry Paper croon on fucking vinyl. Like, why? What is the? It's just. It's a nothing album. I think. It's I think the problem is though, it it's also feels album. quite yeah. hip, doesn't it? It all feels quite. Yeah, but it's hip cool in a way that, like, and, someone yeah. who thinks... It's a hip in someone who lives in Didsbury and wears yeah, red absolutely. trousers kind of way. Not, it's not hip. hip in a... It is trying very yeah. hard. It's... Yeah, I mean, it does try hard. I think the trousers, first, the first couple of times I listened to it, I thought I hated it. By the end, I didn't totally hate it. That's pretty much all I've got to say about the time. <laughs> I was the opposite. I started off thinking... Uh, I loved it and then ended up hating it. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like a porn soundtrack. <laughs> it's called Like a Baby. He looks creepy as fuck on the cover. It's it's a disaster, but I didn't hate yeah. it. Wow. Anyone yeah. I think you're worse on that than I was on Julia Halter. Well, it doesn't compare to Julia Halter, does it, in terms of, like, actual interest, quality? I preferred the sound to Julia Halter. Well, album. you need to sort your life out, then. <laughs> 
Okay. Jerry Paper, any more on Jerry Paper? No. no let's well, not bother. Who was it? That's what, that's yeah. what I honestly say. Let's not bother having any more Jerry yeah. Paper. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let Mike talk to us about Me oh, we, Without we, we Use. We missed one, we missed one. I know, Mike's going to start us off on Me Without Use Untitled. All right, go for it. Me Without You Untitled, Mike. I'll have to say I quite liked Untitled. I actually really, really, really liked it. I've been a fan of Me Without You for a couple of years. I wasn't disappointed. Um, I quite like the sort of post-hardcore scene, at times verging towards emo, possibly. Um, but I think they do it incredibly well. Sorry, I keep tapping with a pen. For <laughs> Just take it, confiscating it. Then we stop and he tells he's done it. He's generally... I think it's a, a great album. It's a tiring album because I think it dances around basically anger and melancholy. Mm. It starts off very angry, sort of angst-driven, and then goes into this really sort of melancholic, um, quite sad songs at times. And then later on the album gets a little bit angry again. And although I think most of the songs on there are very, very, very good, um, Tiring, but that sounds like a negative. And tiring in a good way. Mm, I think mm. after it finishes, you feel like you've gone through the emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the vast majority of the songs are fantastic, and it's a beautiful record. And by the end of it, I genuinely was looking forward to putting it on again. Okay. I think, um, yeah, for me, not the album of the year, but not a million miles away. I thought it was a brilliant okay. record. Um, right. Standout tracks. <laughs> I think uh, "Tortoises All the Way Down" was phenomenal. Mm. Literally phenomenal. Um, new wine, new skins. I like that. But I like that because they reference Bell and Sebastian. Me without you is very, very into religion. He, his um, mum was a Muslim and his father a Jewish guy. Mm. Um, I think they both sort of came together in some form of uh, Islam they got into, but he converted to Christianity. Okay, that's um, very random. I think sometimes he's quite muddled up with religion. Mm. It's not like a straight-up Christian rock band. Yeah, yeah. He references most religions in his songs, and I think possibly he's, you know, he's still got a big interest in it all. But mm. Bell and Sebastian are also similar. Right, okay. I think Stuart from Bell and Sebastian is a Christian, <clears throat> uh, and they, they reference a song that's about them coming to terms with his beliefs and moral... Or ethical dilemmas. Mm. <clears throat> so I think lyrically that song was fantastic. But there's very few songs on the album I didn't like. I think Flee the Matador is possibly one of the weaker ones. Mm. Yeah. Um, yes. I don't know what it was. What was it about that song? Weird, well, I mean, this? weird chorus, man. Yeah, King yeah, of Spain or Queen right. of Portugal. What are you talking yeah, about? Instantly what does that quite mean? annoying. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, was it uh, Another Head for Hydra, the third track? Though it does, I don't know what it is, but it seemed like something you'd listen to when you were quite young, mm. maybe too close to the sort of angsty yeah. side of things. But apart from them two, I thought it was from start to finish brilliant. Right. Who wants to go? I can. I can go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this album. I think it had some uh, some real drive behind it. Um, it was packed full of emotion, sometimes too much, mm. um, but. Kind of throughout, it was yeah, it was uh, really kind of interesting, and I I haven't listened to uh, like post hardcore for a while, and um, but it was really fun to get back into it with this album. Um, I think that for me the first four tracks like when they're kind of a bit angrier at the beginning, 
and I guess a bit more juvenile. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, they're, they're the ones that really uh, got me, I think. But the whole album as a whole, it's, it's, I really enjoy it. The, like, the big issue I had is that lyrically, I found it really hard to tell what was going on. And sometimes it was just really overwrought or like he's referencing so many different things Yeah, that he just, you can get something from the tone, but you can't necessarily, there isn't a clear message in it. I think I like, I went to, cause Julia, I think was my favorite song. And I, I looked for like a breakdown of what, what the lyrically was going on. And the, uh, appendix for this breakdown which is like it's not that long a song <laughs> it would it, if i printed it out it would have been about 40 50 pages and oh. that was their best guess okay because every every line seems to have like five or six references i'm not surprised and... it's front is because the title is actually julia brackets or yeah, 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 yeah. to the lord on the bells of horses <laughs> yeah those brackets which yeah. does suggest there's quite a lot he's trying to pack yeah. in there yeah can i just yeah. say i don't know if anyone really listens to me without you but they, I was a bit disappointed with some that the lyrics were a little bit more cryptic and all over yeah. the show because they had a record a few albums ago called uh, It's All Crazy, It's Longer Than That, It's All Crazy, It's All something. But um, <laughs> it was a lot more, they stepped away from the post hardcore thing and went more, I suppose, folky, a lot mm. more song-driven. And yeah. uh, lyrically, it's one of the best records I've ever heard. Right. They sort of uh, personified everything, the sun, the grass, every animal, and just everything had a... A soul and a heart, and mm. it was quite—I don't know if "cartoon" is the right word, but that's pretty epic. Story-wise, it was beautiful. Every living creature was represented. Well, wow. He said, he said <laughs> in an interview that um, it's to do with there was a certain scholar, um, sort of an Islamic scholar, mm. um, that used to do children's books, which he was okay. read to as a child, and he was influenced by that. Right, where oh. not just the. the the rabbits and everything jumping around and the insects, but everything, the fence, everything. Were you listening to the Lion King soundtrack? Wow. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's like that, but I'm not going to do it justice, but listen to the album, song yeah. for song, is what, if I didn't pick this um, for the new album, I probably yeah. would have picked that as, as my, uh, instead of Kank, it's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful okay. record. Cool. Um, so that did upset me about this, that it wasn't lyrically bad, but yeah. you're not going to relate to it because I think it's, um, yeah, yeah. you know, Hard. Yeah. Do you want? Should I go? Are you done, Matt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's quite interesting to hear some of what you you two have both said because it, it ties in a lot with what I'm saying. It was a difficult one for me this album because um, it's not folk. <laughs> that's the first problem. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what you both mentioned, like the sort of idea of it being maybe a little bit youthful and whatever, and I think. The 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 literary lyrics and the sort of overblown lyrics throughout the album made me feel a little bit like something that a teenage band would do to sound intelligent. Like I feel like they were just trying too hard a lot of the time. Um, so when I first started listening to it, I found it quite generic and didn't think it really stood out. But as I listened more, I did realise you know there were some quite interesting things they were saying about mental health, about sort of the apocalyptic politics and other issues that were going through but then it did in the end it was all kind of hidden behind this sort of overblown almost immature manner of some of the songs and quite overly dramatic 
you've already mentioned. I just want to point out that Mike's within distance of decking you if he, if he wants to. It's just fine. Let you know. It's fine. <laughs> you do have that option. But you mentioned, or Mike mentioned himself, the Fleed Al Matadors as the biggest, like the whole King of, King of Spain, Queen of Portugal thing was very strange. I didn't get that. But then it was also probably the album of all these that grew on me the most. Um, it's kind of, it is very dramatic, it is very dense, it is kind of childlike at times, but then it is, it becomes more involving the more you listen to it. I think Julia was a highlight, which Matt's already said, and then the best song was Tortoises All The Way Down. But I think, yeah, some of the song titles and some of the lyrics, at the end, it just felt a little bit like it was written by someone who was still at school and was a bit depressed. Right. Okay, then. I mean, very <laughs> icy, <laughs> icy silence. Uh, Mike, just, uh, Mike just called me a wanker with his hand. I don't know why he didn't just say it. It's fine. <laughs> You're allowed to. We swore enough on but I didn't, No, anyway. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. But it was... Um, I had mixed feelings on the album. Okay. So, I'll jump in. Um, uh, to me, uh, my, my interest in the album... I, I was finding quite refreshing that we had a nice, heavy album on this playlist after Feist and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was nice to have some, some right, really sort of banging moments to it. Um, and I thought, lyrically, um, I thought it was quite interesting. I don't know if I dug in as deeply as, as any, of the other, any of the rest of you did in terms of the lyrical content. So I just kinda, it just kind of sounded like it fitted. It was... There was some angst in it. There was some. I thought the better songs for me were the ones that were were more um, slightly more restrained. Actually, like there's one a short one, a Dormouse size, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 which actually I thought was yeah. really nice and, and actually was not characteristic of some of the other ones, which were a bit more um, again not being pejorative, a bit more bombastic, you know, a bit a bit bigger. Um, I thought that worked, they that worked really well. Um, I think my bigger issue with the album was problematic stuff with the album was not that. Um, was not lyrical it was actually production wise I, I thought it was quite heavily compressed a lot of the time um and, and that i found that a bit frustrating because it sounded like it wanted to be heavier and dirtier than it actually ended up being like acoustically um there a good example would be um i don't want to oh yeah another head for hydra the first three seconds of that song, you'd have them turning on the amps and the tape machine and stuff, and you have this like crackly, like, ah, you know, it's going to go crazy kind of sound. Mm. And then it kicks in, and the compressors hit, and it just sounds a bit flatter mm. than I think it, it, it's worthy of, you know? So to me, I think there's potential, and, and maybe the other albums, I don't know whether they're similar or not, but I've not heard this any album of this band I've heard. But um, I think there's potential in the songwriting and the delivery for them to actually make a, a sort of more jar, more sort of what's the word, razor-edge type, you know, like sawtooth kind of album, mm. you know? There's, there's a lot... Not, cause they're they're still was... all at school, though. <laughs> so it's hard. Oh. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> He's just so harsh. <laughs> so uh, to, me, to me, I thought it, was, it, worked, it worked well, but I think it could have been produced in a way that made it a bit more abrasive. That's the word I was searching mm. for, really. Yeah. yeah. But I'd agree with that. I think some of their older albums, and I don't want to talk about them too much, because... It's no, it's interesting. Bad. You know this band well, yeah, so it would be yeah, interesting yeah. to hear about the older albums. Straight cause... up, post-hardcore... Rora. Yeah. And at times I thought they were overproduced, not financially, I would say it's high fidelity at any point. Yeah. But just too smooth. And that was yeah. one of the issues for me where yeah. and sorry, is that with the old albums? You talk with this about album? No, no, with, with this, this one I feel yeah. that oh, I you... wish that they'd just gone for a slightly yeah. more. So I'd be interested familiar much. with Cloud Nothings, anybody? Any Cloud Nothings, yes. Cloud Nothings, yeah. So I think Cloud Nothings do this and mm. slightly less cleanly. It sounds a mm. bit dirtier when yeah. the way they produce the songs and I think mm. that I don't know if you know a Madia. 
And I've heard of them. Okay. I haven't listened to so them. anyway, that, that you know, that, that they're also interesting and they do something a bit dirtier. So maybe that's something a reference point. But yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. you were going to come back with something. I think were you, were you Mike? No, not necessarily. Okay. I, I think that's one of my. I didn't think it was a, a fatal mistake, mm. but um, I do sort of prefer more music. Yeah. yeah. The guy that produces, I can't remember his name. I didn't write it down, but he's done work with Lauren Hill. Right. Um, he's fairly, and again, yeah. is that the right man? That's the, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, different... I think there's, there's a goal sometimes, which is actually to make a polished rock album that's more radio friendly in some respect mm. whatever that means anymore but you know yeah. I, I think that's that's something that they've they've fallen fast. so I don't think it was a mistake I think they consciously or the producer consciously chose to make an album that sounded like boxed you know mm. like some of the some of the guitars and even though they were distorted were like boxed off with those compressors and that's yeah. a problem for me yeah definitely because yeah. there are the more rural ones but when it gets to things like Winter Solstice which is one of the better songs on the album mm. It's very clean, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, for, for a heavy song, it's made to sing yeah. straight on the radio. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the lyrics aren't made to go on the radio, are they? I mean, I find it quite jarring, that sort of... Yeah. For me, the literary sort of lyrics with the the type of music we were listening to, which is why I'd be interested to hear some of the earlier albums, because I did... If the lyrics were different, I think I would have enjoyed this album more, but I couldn't get past the sort of mythical sort of... See, I thought the problem is they were quite ignorable. They're so, sort of so all over the place. And like you said, Fran, some, some mental health stuff, some post-apocalyptic yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. There's loads, as always, of religious stuff mixed in with it. Mm. There's nothing to grab onto. So you sort of concentrate on everything but the lyrics. Yeah. So I didn't think, Jesus, you're immature, but more... I wonder yeah. what he's shouting about. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, yeah. uh, it, it wasn't a problem for me. And the same as right. the production wasn't a massive problem. I thought it was a great album. All right. Right. So um, before we get into the Why I Love, do you want to just get quick comments on, on the playlist as a whole? I think we should wait till after the Why I Love is selling, actually, because I think there's some things that tie it all together this time, personally. Oh. So I would it's like a master to plan. hold it wow. to if we Amazing. can. Amazing. Okay. So let's, let's let Mike tell us why he loves Tago Mago by Cam. Um, I, I, I want to just back up and say I know absolutely nothing about this band at all, so whatever yeah. you information you give would be very helpful. I'll give you a quick summary, maybe. Good. It's... Um, I've always been... He's got another pen oh. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? He's got like a hammer, he's like banging on the table. Brilliant. Um, I've always been quite into the music of the bands that were coming out of West Germany in the late 60s, early 70s. It was a time for massive experimentalism. Like, ridiculously so. Um, can were one of the, the I, I class, one of the leaders of this. Mm. Um, I think, generally speaking, with Krautrock, it's generally called for, for good or for bad. Right, right. It's, um, I Not think it's generally just... accepted, that's fine. Um, I think it's one of the points in music that it didn't sound like anything before, mm. um, for me. Can you tell what year this was? Or you know 1971. 1971, okay. But I think rock and roll was always sort of, since its conception, had its roots in rhythm and blues or the blues. I think most crowd rock bands were thinking to space, you know, they didn't want right. them roots, I think, possibly because of Germany's history, they wanted something completely new. Um, can, this isn't their first album, it's their second studio album. The first one was slightly more psychedelic. It was made from um, people that were generally from classical or classical avant-garde and jazz backgrounds. Um, because a lot of the music was around in the late 60s, 
the first one was a little bit more psychedelic, but then they decided to flee the nest and go for something that, at the time, had never been heard. And I'd argue nothing like Tago Mago has ever been heard since. Um, before going into the songs, I will say this album was um, recorded predominantly in a castle, a 15th century castle. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike most bands that, that, that write their songs, go into a studio with yeah. a bit of time, this castle was owned by an eccentric very, very rich man um, who gave them as much time as they want, I think, took nearly a year. Mm-hmm. Um, not of serious writing, but just taking a lot of drugs, as you can <laughs> a lot of drugs. Um, and most of it was just jamming, just, mm. um, just jamming, and they were recording so much. They ended up with hundreds of hours of music um, and field recordings and just... Just a bit of everything. So they have tons. I mean, it sounds like the album isn't actually that long, given seven no, songs. No, they didn't yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, significantly. They really pared it down, yeah. Um, wow. Democratically. Okay. Um, I mean, Shukai and Schmidt from the band, they, they were students of Karl Heinz Stockhausen, that was a really big uh, figure in classical avant garde for until recently, actually, mm. for decades and decades and decades. Um, and I think. It could be classed as German avant-garde, but unlike a lot of the experimental experimental uh, albums that come at that stage from Germany, I like this because it's so, so funky as well. Mm. We've talked a lot about uh-huh. avant-garde today. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the difficulty with it, whether it's actually still listenable, mm. I think, let's talk about it as an album of two halves. The mm. first half is extremely funky, but so, so influential. The whole album, this is actually, it's unreal. Um, this went on to influence uh, David Bowie. Mm. Um, certainly a lot of the appeal for the post-punk movement. Um, dance, hip-hop, it's, it was a huge, huge movement. Right. Brian Eno was a follower. The Fall, it was hugely influential. And I think you can tell that from some of the first tracks, PayPal's and Mushroom, it sounds predominantly post-punk. Mm. Um, yeah. Certainly Mushroom. And that didn't, that was just under 10 years before that would come along. Um, I like the fact on this album, every hour, every song's very, very different in itself. Um, oh Yeah, I think it's one of the best tracks I've ever heard. I'll put mm. that down right now. I think it's just never got boring for me. It's a wonderful track. Now, like we are saying about Julia Holter, the album does have its difficult points, mm. uh, <laughs> which I'm sure everyone's talking about. Hallelujah, or Hallelujah, is still one of, that's another cracking track. Now, one of the ones that is more challenging, Om. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Om. Ah, okay. Um, it's another sideline track. A-U-M-G-N, that's how it's spelled, yeah. Yeah. A-U-M-G-N. Omgenun, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's now, what I was going to say. Hallelujah <laughs> is, is nearly 20 minutes, but yeah. I think it's... I'd imagine no one alive that likes music would dislike a track. It's so funky. It's so... Oh, it's a wonderful track. But Um is a difficult track, mm. which I think does pay off, and I'm not going to talk for ages. I want to open this up and bring it back to yeah, me yeah. to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually in the top three tracks of the album, up there with the standout tracks, um, that pays off so significantly mm. by the end. Um, I'm not going to talk about peaking out or bring me coffee or tea yet, but certainly the first five tracks, I think... So you said there was two halves, is that what you were... Yeah, I think... So the first uh, half is, is more what? The funky side? The funky... Not necessarily funky, I know, I'd probably say it. More 
classically structured in a way. Mm. Okay. I will say also... But even when I they're know, classically I know structured... It sounds, I think it's always important to keep in mind that what it listens to, listens to what it sounds like now yeah. is vastly different from what it would have sounded like when it came out. Uh, yeah. Sometimes when you get people listening to the Sex Pistols for the first time, mm. you're just fucking boring, man. Yeah. You think, because you weren't, you weren't yeah, there. You weren't same, there. As yeah, people, yeah, yeah. same as... Yeah. Everything's yeah. sort well, of copied it so much and they've been copied, they've been copied. Yeah. Maybe it's lost power. I don't think that's the case for Can, but they were so influential. Yeah. For instance, um, Jackie Liebersey, he's a drummer, he's one of my favourite drummers. He essentially um, invented the Motorik beat, which mm. you can hear through post punk and most psych. It's that. You know, the very machine like, very soulless. Mm. Uh, nearly industrial drum beat that now we're so used to hearing at the yeah. time it it was unheard of yeah um, and they were using equipment I mean it's 1971 I think when you keep highlighting it it's 1971 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's a yeah. very old it's yeah, yeah. a long you know, time ago um, uh, Peak and O you hear a drum yeah. machine they're, they're one of the first bands to yeah. use a drum machine or yeah. a, yeah. a preset yeah. drum yeah. machine yeah. even though I don't know exact year but I knew it was old Yeah. yeah. synthesizers it yeah. was it was new. It was <coughs> music that had never been heard. Yeah. It was so yeah. avant garde, it unreal, you know. Yeah. Um, however, I don't want that to take away from the music now because I still don't think there's anything mm. that's ever sounded like Can Tago Mago. Um, I think so. They were the best uh, right. for me. So now Frank can tell us why he hates it. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say straight away is um, it kind of ties on from. What what Mike just finished on is that um, what stood out to me the most was how fresh it sounds mm. even now. Mm. For an album that came out in 1971, like if, if this came out tomorrow, then it wouldn't seem outdated. It'd still seem original. It'd still seem fresh, which I think is incredible. Um, but that said, you can see a host of bands who were influenced by them, and I think that Mike's just mentioned a few. A couple I picked out were Swans, which I think is quite an obvious mm. comparison in some ways. I also think Radiohead. Um, you can see, you can see some, yeah. especially in the early songs. You can see, and the early Radiohead. You can see some comparison. I've also put written down. I think the drummer's amazing and drives a lot of the songs, particularly in the first half of the album. And that's why, for me, I admit that I'm a, I am a bigger fan of the first half of the album. I separate it in the same way Mike did. I, the first four tracks up to Hallelujah. Were, that's the line, isn't it? And then the and then the second. And I am a bigger fan of the first half. But then I thought the, the album did a really good job of sort of setting you up to think think of it as one thing and then it kind of just sweeps the rug out from under your feet. Mm. Um, I think the final three songs are still fascinating, but and we'll come to talk about the playlist more later on, but I think sitting on a playlist where there was already a lot of long, inaccessible music, I kind of didn't find myself drawn into those songs as well, as much as I did the first four. Mm. But it's a stellar album. Clearly ahead of its time, and I'm, I'm I'm really glad I got to spend some time with it. Um, mm. It was it's mm. a really interesting album. Um, okay, I'll, I'll jump in, shall I? Um, I really really liked it, and I've been listening a lot. Um, so first of all, it brought me back to two older artists that we've one of which we did the Sabbath we did mm. a while a couple of podcasts ago, yeah. um, and then I've been listening personally to a lot more Hendrix lately, partly because my son started playing guitar recently and I wanted to show him who the greatest guitarist ever was on, on video on YouTube mm, whatever Johnny so, Greenwood <laughs> yeah right <laughs> very close run thing yeah um, 
And uh, I, I did think, and when you, you talk about that wonder of like trying to hold on to the fact that it was, you know, it's amazing to, to listen to something, you know, so, still so fresh to people mm. at the time. I actually managed to retain that quite well because I was listening to Hendrix a lot, of the, you know, mm. in the last few months. Uh, and it's made me think, it made me think, wow, because the few recordings of Hendrix I've listened to in the last couple of weeks, I've just thought, what on earth? This must have sounded like music from space completely and like absolutely off the planet, mm. like yeah. insanely creative and odd. Uh, and I thought this as well was like that. You know, this, I mean, I'm, I like that in a, in a very different, but also very odd in a similar way, very interesting and fresh, you know? So um, so I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was, um, I thought the first half, um, I, again, yeah, like, uh, like Fran says, I, I could kind of get my head around it a bit more easily. Um, but in the end, I thought it was, it was consistently new and energetic. And uh, I love the drumming as well, like you both said already. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I probably liked uh, Oh Yeah the most, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think if it came out... Well, it was great, I should say, that I had absolutely no context for this at all. I love that I, that I came to it so you know, completely clear of any idea what on earth I was going into. Um, and that's one reason I could hold on to why, why it felt fresh to me, you know? But... Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I think I would go back to this, uh, and I think I would explore more of what they've done, especially in the context of listening to some older stuff. I mm. wanted to see what what um, what Matt and Fran thought about the Sabbath, and, and you too, Mike, about the Sabbath in because we did that on the podcast a couple, mm. ago, a couple of months ago. Um, what you thought about that in relation? Because the case I made for, in defence of Sabbath to some extent then was that that was also like a crazily new thing, you know, mm. at the time, and it's easy yeah. to say, oh well, yeah, it's just another metal band. No, it was the male oh, band. You was know, this the so first uh, yeah, no, it was uh, paranoid. We did, we did paranoid. paranoid. Which was that paranoid. first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that first? No, it wasn't first. No. Did you ever hear the first Sabbath record? Where it was a horror LP, essentially. No, it was. No. It was before. I mean, it was metal by default, but it was more. They were trying to make us the horror soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. So again, ah, right. it's reference. Although paranoid was a great record. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, so it, it, it wraps up with those, and I thought I'd like to hear when you get your comments, Matt and Men, and also from you, Fran, what you thought about relative to the yeah. Sabbath. Well, before we move on to Matt, I'll just make a quick comment about that because for me, first thing I thought about Cam was that it still felt fresh now, and I still felt like it. Like you kept saying, and you said a few times, Mike, that there hasn't been anything like it since. And I suppose that was my problem with Black Sabbath was that I couldn't get into it too easily because partly because I'd heard it on Tony Hawk's skating games a hundred times, <laughs> I only knew all the songs, but also just because it didn't feel fresh anymore and it didn't feel interesting anymore. Whereas Can still felt very interesting to me. So mm. that's probably my point of difference there. But but mm. anyway, Matt, what did you think as a whole of Can? Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I had a, I did have a reference point. I'd had a couple of the other singles, um, Vitamin C and I Want More. And I was really surprised by this because it's not, they're quite conventional, I think. Mm -hmm. And then this was like wildly different. And I, and yeah, not much like crazy different stuff to say, really. I, uh, I was really taken aback listening to uh mushroom because i was just like this music well, shouldn't have been invented yet yeah, but yeah. here it is <laughs> mushroom's, <laughs> like, great. mushrooms great and the drum machine uh, you mentioned you referenced earlier was unbelievable was that on peaking which one had the drum machine the drum machine's peaking out, peaking out yeah. i mean that's yeah. i think that's the most challenging track and actually gets a bit ridiculous when <laughs> when, when the um damo suzuki the vocalist he was he was the youngster of the band they were all in their 30s mm. he was only yeah, fairly young. They chose him on the strength that he was um, Japanese. Their last um, singer was black. 
mm. and they did like to have someone in Germany at that stage. In West Germany, there wasn't a lot of people yeah. that looked so dramatically different. Mm. So um, after they'd thrown uh, Michael out of the band, they saw a damn well thought, that's the one, look at him. I actually read, um, I actually read the article today about the album as well, and I read about how they found him. He was a busker, wasn't he? He was sitting out, well, he was laying on the yeah. ground doing something quite odd, wasn't yeah. he? They um, just bought him into the found a busker and just bought him into the band. He said we're playing tonight. <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. tonight. He went. Uh, do I need to rehearse? No, you don't. And, yeah. it, and his his style also. We're talking about post punk and other sort of later experimental scenes. Yeah, yeah. His sort of whisper to scream to it was quite mm. quite dramatic. I think at the time. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I do think that tests anyone where mm. where they're really going for it a bit later on, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I'm going to cut you off, Matt, though, yeah, a little Matt, bit there. Go ahead. Sorry, mate. Uh, yeah, and, well, it was in- yeah, interesting because I, I definitely can tell the, the two halves of the album. Yeah. Um, and it was quite, as I was, like, having the track at the end, um, what was it, Bring Me Tea and Biscuits? Mm. Or coffee tea or, or, tea, or tea. Coffee or Tea? Coffee or Tea. Yeah, that's yeah, it. that one. I was tea just like, biscuits. it did... <laughs> Oh, that's a no, I know. Just, uh, yeah. just brought a smile well, that, to That's what face. I wanted afterwards because I felt yeah. like I've just been hit by a train, and I just <laughs> like that song felt like resurfacing and yeah. coming mm. back into the real world. Yeah, and I just like the whole structure of the album. It seems like it's really thought out, and just like we're going to gradually take you down this trail, and then mm. by the end, and like peeking out, you're just like you're off in the hinterlands, and then and it's like welcome back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm really curious, Mike, when you listen to this album, because I, I, when do I? Or... When did yeah, you? Yeah, or like, when do you? Or like, what time of like oh, right. time of day? Or do you like put yourself by yourself, like on your own, and put your headphones on? Or yeah, I mean, I do generally listen to it on headphones or on my room. I think a lot of it is um isn't that challenging. I know it's got some really avant-garde hmm. stuff later on. And for its day, it was all fairly avant-garde. I think a lot of it's quite accessible. Um, so I'm probably not going to wake up on a Sunday morning with a hangover and listen to Om in yeah. its entirety. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, well, I think that's been constantly with me for many years, I think, on a lot of my playlists. Um, I very rarely, maybe the whole album, because it's quite... I don't know how long the album is. I've got, it can't be about I mean, 45 minutes, on it, yeah, maybe longer, 50 30, minutes. Yeah. Yeah, there's some um, long songs. There's I think, 20, I think the, first, minutes the first half constantly, the second half maybe yeah. went on. <laughs> Feeling <laughs> well, powerful. In the evening, yeah. having a drink and thinking, yeah. let's, let's listen to that. So yeah. I, was, I was quite interested in how you first, because obviously none of us, you, you'd heard a couple of songs, did you say, Matt? Yeah, or, I'd heard a couple of songs off like playlists of right. like, these are the best songs of all time yeah. kind of thing. Um, and they're, they're, they're great songs of the period, but they don't feel um, anything dramatically different yeah no there's exactly. a thing with me and Nick having not heard him how did you first get into this band Mike how um, did you I think when I was quite young sort of late teens early 20s I was quite into psych mm. um, so you know six knots psych by sort of today's contemporary yeah, yeah. But sort of 60s yeah, yeah. psych stuff and uh, I threw that really yeah. um, and again there's loads of other bands to explore like Noi have a really good one Faust um, okay. Yeah, there's, heard of Faust. Yeah, yeah, heard of Faust. Yeah, um, Quartet. There's some brilliant, brilliant, yeah. brilliant records. Right. Um, some of them, like I say, more difficult. Like Faust can be really tricky. Mm. Cluster are a great one. Okay. Um, 
Because a lot of it went more electronic, same sort of craft work sort of thing went right, more right, right. in the direction of the electronic stuff that was coming through. But this is an album of its own. I don't want to take anything away mm. from that. Right. Um, I do also want to say my favourite part of this album has popped in my head. Mm. My favourite um, little piece of the record is in Om. Right. That again, like we said, is quite a longish song. Mm. Quite um, yeah. challenging, maybe, when you first listen to it. Although I do like the beginning where I think it messes with time and space a lot. Um, there's not Jackie that usually is drumming mm. really drives the whole record like right. I think everyone said yeah. it's absent right. and it's just these noises nearly in the dark mm. at different distances or different places right. within the mix and uh, it's quite disorientated but when he starts I think what four minutes from the end he goes mental mm. like <laughs> it's one of the most exciting <laughs> things I've ever heard where he just yeah. goes Beast mode. Right. And, and flipping heck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's about four or five minutes of... Oh, it's very That's exhilarating. Brilliant. It really That's is. Brilliant. And then it goes into peak, you know, and it's, you've got another job on your hands. Yeah. But, yeah, I... Well, I appreciate bringing it to the, to the group. Yeah, really. definitely, definitely. Really yeah. Yeah. I'll, go, I'll definitely go back to it, it. yeah. yeah. And I think some of what you just said, might at the end there, ties into why I wanted to talk about the whole playlist as a whole at the end this time, because I think... For me, there was three albums, and it's really weird that this happened. I mean, we talked last time we had the really soulful playlist, didn't we, with things like yeah. Moses Sumney, Erica Badu, I can't remember what else was on there, but it was a very sort of, oh, no name. Yes. This time, like, yeah. this has probably been the most, for me, the most inaccessible playlist we've ever had, the hardest playlist, the one you've had to spend the most time working on. And I think the Tom York, the... Um, Julia Holter and for me the second half of Can even though I, I really got into that they all sounded like they could have been the soundtrack to Suspiria they all <laughs> yeah, sounded right. scary and yeah. they all sounded creepy and I think especially Om on um, Tago Mago I felt was it's got serious links to yeah they all really like, linked yeah. together and it was just because when I listened to Tom York and you've heard about how much I love him but I was like wow this is a really obscure difficult album and I listened to Julie Holton, and I was like, wow, this is... And I just couldn't believe that we managed <laughs> to somehow up, yeah. get those free... And then, I mean, Me Without You, obviously not the same level, but also took a lot of work for me to get into because of its... Yeah, yeah. it's a different know, the, kind of obscurity. Yeah, the sort of yeah. Uh, juxtaposition of the lyrics and the music. And so I just thought it was... I mean, obviously, Feist and Jerry Baby, different story, but yeah, yeah. it was a really <laughs> interesting playlist yeah, for that through. reason, that there were there was so much... It was hard work, and it's, yeah. I said to Mike a couple of times when I saw him while I was listening, I've had to take a week away from the playlist and listen to some other stuff a bit because I right. don't feel like I'm able to give myself that much time to get Full into it because yeah. it's so yeah. heavy going. So I don't know if anyone else thought the same thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, yeah, it was very inaccessible, uh, and the can was the best thing on it, um, and uh, probably the me without you was the other one that was was you know interesting I, I wasn't really in love with much else on the on that playlist I so was the five so. that weren't can your favorite was me without you probably yeah uh, yeah probably you might yeah. have me without you as well was it <clears throat> uh, let me flip through it wasn't it wasn't um jerry baby it wasn't tom york it wasn't jerry um not not, not can can't be so, me with, yeah, you can't include Can. Yeah, not, you, you can't include Can. can. <laughs> well, yeah, it was me without you, followed by yeah. Julia Holter. Yeah. Right. Matt, you're saying right. Feist. I, well, I felt like Feist was like, I get to, 
I get to have my my dessert, and then yeah. uh, and then can felt like it was actual sustenance. It felt <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I was actually getting something. That's almost a normal analogy there with the food analogy. Yeah, 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 I like it. That's getting yeah. towards normal yeah. insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, so I think, I think we're uh, yeah. I think we're, we're all there. there. Yeah. Th- thanks very much. Yeah. Good to have you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. It was really great to have you on. And maybe see you back in the future. Absolutely. Next time we are doing a albums of 2018. So I don't think we're going to actually even go through the albums. I can if you want. No, I think we'll we'll leave you to wait and or or just click on Spotify and look at the playlist. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, then it's you won't know there. who's picked what. Uh, but yeah, there'll be ten albums. Each of us, Nermal, who started Picky Bastards with us, is going to come back for this episode. Yeah, we'll each pick an album yeah. of the year, and then we've picked favourites. Uh, we've picked a few from other publications. I picked um, the Vinyl Factory. I picked Piccadilly Records. Needle Drop. Needle Drop. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what I picked. I think, Matt's, <laughs> I think Matt's was from Drowning Sound, and we also had yeah, the Guardian. Yeah, that's so, right. yeah, so yeah, we'll be yeah. back in February with that playlist. Absolutely. All right. So, thanks for so, listening. Thanks and thank you, Mike. Much. Thanks a lot. Nice one. Cheers. All right. Yeah, See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.